0: This is the Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnik. Michael Barr and Evan Novi Williams. Hello, I'm Scott Soschnick.
1: I'm Evan Novi Williams.
0: And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And let's start. Are are we having an Olympics? Because it does not look like we're going to have an Olympics in Tokyo now that Australia has withdrawn and also Canada has withdrawn. I don't see it happening.
2: Well, I don't see it happening when they thought it was going to happen. But, uh, Eben, you are closer to this than than any of us. Uh, I think you would agree that the Olympics are going to happen. We just don't know when they're going to happen. Would you agree with that?
1: I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I, I think they really have, have three options. One is later this year which i would think that scientists would would pretty quickly tell them is, is not a good idea and then you have potentially next summer 2021 and potentially 2022 the summer after that i think the obvious the obvious answer there is 2021 makes more sense you're not competing with the men's world cup you're not competing right after the winter olympics um doing some, doing a, an event without you know competing against those two is a pretty big uh, a big boost so next year makes sense but there's so many little things you have to do to make sure that a city can host these games who knows what they end up deciding
2: Yeah Evan, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that the, it didn't seem the leadership was coming from the IOC on this one It got to a point where they asked for four weeks to make a decision and and then Canada the Olympic Committee just came out and said we're not going. Uh, So it seems as if this one is being pushed down up instead of up down where the decision is being made for the IOC. uh, If the athletes just say we're just not participating, what are your choices after that?
1: No, you're absolutely right. It's and you said it on the podcast last week. You know, athletes have a lot of power here. This has been totally an athlete and coach driven thing. You know, enough athletes on social media started talking about how disrupted their training were, how, how disrupted their qualifiers were. And then you had teams like USA Swimming and USA Track and Field start advocating for a postponement. Then you had the Canadian Olympic team saying, we're not going, and all those things are forcing the IOC forward. So you're right. Thomas Bach, president of the IOC, he asked this weekend for four weeks to make a decision. Uh, I would be shocked if he gets those four weeks, given the, the speed with which athletes and now team federations around the world seem to be getting on board with this idea of postponement. I just don't see a world where he can go four more weeks before announcing what the plan is.
0: And then throw in the fact that Japanese Prime Minister Abe also said, "Hey, we can't guarantee the safety of the athletes, and if that's the case, we can't go."
1: Exactly. You know, and, and just to give a sense of all the things you need to unwind if you're thinking about postponing this, you know, there, there's millions—literally millions—of hotel nights that have been booked and reserved seven years in advance in Tokyo for the summer of 2020. You know, who knows what those hotels look like uh, already in terms of bookings for next summer. Uh, you have venues that are, have plans for after the games, right? Some of those venues are being turned into condos that are going to be sold or have already been sold to people to move into in a couple of years. If you're now asking, you know, that construction to stop for a year or even two years, you know, maybe that changes the plan there. So, so venues, hotel rooms, companies, contractors is the is the caterer that that, you know built its entire year around three months serving vips in tokyo are they going to be around next year are they free next year there's all those questions that the ioc and its sponsors etc need to figure out
0: let's talk about now the nfl pushing forward with tv deals and the negotiations that's taking place with that Uh, Which is interesting because uh, I'm not even so sure that there might even be uh, a delay uh, in the National Football League. So anything can happen here.
2: Yeah, Bar, I think you're thinking too short term with everything here. So what if there's a delay in the NFL season? This isn't about three games, five games. We're talking multi-year, multi-billion dollar media contracts with the biggest media companies the incumbents and then you have to see do the technology companies jump in but you just wonder why the nfl is moving forward they've got their labor piece now uh you have the market cap you're ready for a great stat here mr Barr? disney yes. which of course owns espn comcast and viacom cbs have lost 46 billion with a b mm billion dollars in market cap since the NBA suspended the games that 46 billion dollars so you wonder why the NFL would push forward with these media companies hurting this way and the answer is because the NFL programming even now is so important to these media companies and I'm sure they feel there'll be a rebound once games start and viewers come back uh that they don't feel the league and its owners do not feel that these media companies will not bid and will not bid handsomely, and whether they get 50 percent more or 60 or 70 or, as Lee Burke, an industry consultant, a consultant told us, maybe double the rights package they have now, uh, the NBA, I'm uh, sorry, the NFL sees big time money ahead, and they're just not willing or don't see a need to wait.
1: Yeah, those numbers are wild, Scott, and I can put them in percentages, too, because I I wrote it down before we started. Year-to-date right now, CBS Viacom stock down 73%, Disney down 42%, and Comcast down 26%. So not the best timing for those companies, obviously, to start having to renegotiate uh, the most expensive or the the most valuable uh, partnership that that you have. Do you think the NFL, I know they're continuing, do you think we may just see a delay in, in when these deals happen? You know, CBS, Fox, NBC, those deals expire uh, at the end of the 2022 season. So there's technically no immediate rush. Do you think maybe the NFL thinks there's a there's a you know viable plan and just waiting to get these companies a little better capitalized again before they go down this road?
2: Uh, I mean, it would seem like they're ready to roll in the next couple of months. The, the message seemingly yeah. going out, and Sports Business Journal wrote a little bit about it, saying maybe three months we start these negotiations uh in, in sort of full pedal to the metal. so And you said, you said it there that ESPN is up first after the 2021 season. Yeah. The NFL would like to get these done. I mean, that was the push for the labor contract um, so that they could have that backdrop of labor peace while they were negotiating these, these deals. Uh, I don't see or sense that they're waiting at all. Uh, ESPN pays, what, about almost $2 billion a year for Monday Night Football, and yeah. the talk is maybe... Monday night football goes from ESPN back to broadcast TV on ABC. Um, Fox is paying 1.1 billion. Um, y- you've got uh, that's the Thursday night package. CBS 1.1 billion. NBC almost a billion per year. Now, if you're talking about doubling all those, Eben, uh, as Lee Burke told us, you're starting to see the path by which Roger Goodell fulfills that vision of 25 billion dollars in revenue.
1: Do we think that all said? the coronavirus pandemic has no effect on the final dollar figure the NFL gets out of these, out of these companies?
2: You'd have to think that or else they would wait. As you said, yeah. I'm not saying there is or isn't. It would seem by the tact the NFL is taking that they, and they I mean uh, Roger Goodell, Brian Rolap, uh, Hans Schroeder, and the owners do not feel like there will be. They're looking long-term, and they understand that when these networks come back, they will certainly understand that there is great value in this programming, uh, in live, in sports, and again, nothing beats the NFL in terms of eyeballs. That's what they're looking for. I will
1: say it it will be a a very impressive business feat if the NFL can push through a 10-year CBA and then renegotiate all of its billion dollars in TV deals all in the span of a few months while most of the other North American leagues are shut down. Great result for the NFL.
2: Harvard uh, business class case study for sure.
0: There you go. Finally, this is something that I never thought if someone said I was going to watch this, I would have said they were crazy because I'm an old school racing fan. I, NASCAR had an racing race, if you want to call it that, uh, and they were at Homestead and I'm watching this, and my son he calls me, and then all of a sudden, we start yelling at the TV set, and, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, what, what is going on? This really bar, turned out to be a hey, good hey, idea." Hey,
2: Bar, why don't you, Bar, why don't you set this up? Yeah, uh, yeah. for people who don't know what you're talking about, yeah. why don't you set up what this is, why it was on, and what kind of audience it got?
0: Let's explain to everybody. I, I, all the sports have. Been canceled at least up until May, including NASCAR. So what NASCAR did was this was an esports event. So you had drivers who were NASCAR drivers, including Denny Hamlin, uh Dale Earnhardt Jr., who recently retired, and others who are racing the virtual race cars.
2: Yeah, mate, yeah at, that's uh, the key. Homestad. You have to make sure these aren't real cars. This is all yeah. virtual. These are not real cars. That's what people need to understand.
0: Yeah. It, it really was incredible. I learned something as a fan watching this because usually when I'd see an accident, I, I two things go through my mind. One, the the life of the driver is in the balance, and two, oh my goodness, who messed up? When I watch this, obviously no lives are in danger, but I'm still thinking, "Oh wow, he messed up," and <laughs> it's something that's amazing as as a fan watching this the East the e NASCAR i Racing Pro Invitational Series, and it was on FS1. And it, one thing too about NASCAR is that this is the only sport racing in general, I should say, where you could get such a simulation of the car, of the track, everything, where it looks realistic. People are thirsting for anything. So this was trending
2: on Twitter. It certainly caught people's attentions. We know leagues and teams and athletes, they're all looking for ways to capture attention and eyeballs and keep the affinity going while there are no real games. But you're the fan, bar. On a 1 to 10 scale, how real was this to you compared to watching a regular NASCAR race?
0: I, now, to be honest, I'd give it a six, and the reason why is because you don't see the pit stops and what the real pit stops go through. You get a virtual pit stop, but it, it's it's kind of like computer generated. You don't get well if a guy drops a jack, or if the guy drops the gas can, or he doesn't uh, get this in or that in whatever. Uh, he blows lug nuts on the on the tires. You don't get that. And that's an important thing, too, about racing. But I think it was one of the greatest ideas for NASCAR, since you don't have any racing, to get eyeballs, as you always say, Scott, to the TV. And it worked on me
1: we're going to see a lot more sports doing things like this and we kind of already are you know the Washington Capitals and the Washington Wizards are working with their local TV partner NBC to show video game simulations of the games those teams would have been playing on TV so people can watch i think nascar is 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 a unique one and a and a kind of a perfect first test case for two reasons, one being that the NASCAR demographic is probably not a huge overlap with the with the video gaming demographic, uh, so, so the adoption there is interesting. And then two, and you talked about it, Michael, a lot of the NASCAR drama, and I think a lot of the reason why people watch NASCAR is the danger associated with it. You know, the fact that you know, hopefully people don't get seriously hurt, but crashes are a pretty big part of the allure of NASCAR. And I'm certainly curious if watching the video game version doesn't take out that allure. Because as you said, Michael, all the crashes that are happening, you know, there's no actual, there's no actual danger. There's no actual violence. And the connection there for NASCAR is a lot more direct than it is for a sport like basketball or a sport like hockey.
0: And by the way, I should add, the Pro Invitational Series continues next weekend from a virtual Texas Motor Speedway, and it'll be on FS1. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Scott Sosnick and Abbott Noby Williams. We are
2: here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports.
1: Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world.
0: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.